0: This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio.
1: Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton.
1: Brilliant. <laughs>
2: Brilliant performance by Bob Stelton.
1: <laughs> oh you got to love when you're, when you're throwing slang in there in that voice. It's just, it's Eddie Murphy from Beverly Hills Cop is what that is. Yeah. Not oh, going to fall did. for the banana and the tailpipe. <laughs> 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 That's what that is. Uh, well done. Uh, text line is there for you. 866-979-3776. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Text in whatever you'd like, whatever you'd like to weigh in on. Somebody talking about uh, the Baltimore Ravens uh, GM in that comment saying, our idiot GM got all liquored up and decided to insult the entire receiving core. <laughs> was that Peyton Manning? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was Peyton at the Pro Bowl talking Something... about his punter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, the kicker, Vanderjack. Oh, it was the kicker. Yeah, okay. our idiot kicker got all liquored up. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's just so bad. And, you know, like I said, bad
2: people skills because... That's in, moronic. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you, you certainly don't want to ever broach that you know i i mean the you know as you said there bob uh it was (laughs) you know he he deleted the the tweet and then you know apologized later said
1: what was was this quote it was sorry about that or oh he he he, he deleted it and then he retweeted or his next tweet was uh my apologies my apologies with an uh, with an emoji of two people hugging Yeah.
2: Okay. (laughs) Well, hopefully that fixes it between him and his, uh, he was a first rounder last year. Yeah. In 2021.
1: Yeah. Oh, 2021. So yeah, yeah. that's,
2: uh, that's just not what you want to do. You certainly don't want to talk that. And that's the thing that Pete and John both do. I mean, Pete every once in a while will say, well, he got through it. You know, um, that's as bad as the criticism gets for anything on the field. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of times he's saying that because of an injury. Or something like yeah. that, but uh,
1: but yeah, I mean, it just it doesn't. It's, it's, uh, publicly, if he wants to say that to his staff, his coaches behind closed doors, okay, yeah, and it might be f- accurate. Again, I, I don't know how they stack up against the rest of the league. We haven't looked at it, but to say that and do a microphone in front of a camera or wherever he was at, yeah. it just what do you expect to come from that?
2: Boy, I, I you know I I remember one time because players look when you when you're playing you get you get a little bit sensitive. So, you know, I remember there was a GM for Kansas City and I signed a deal with Denver and apparently uh it was a deal that in his mind for this this GM didn't think matched. So, and he was he said to me um boy, they sure gave you a good deal, you know, like that, like I wasn't worth it or something like that. You know, and, and I just I just hated that guy. Yeah. You know, I was at some NFL function and he just came up and, and said that to me. And what a stupid thing to say. Yeah. Now,
1: I'm not his player, but still, that's Well, imagine Chuck Knox being asked at the combine about linebackers you know, well, how yeah. would I know about picking good linebackers? You know, right. we haven't done essentially saying we haven't done it yet. Yeah. And there you are. <laughs> you know, like, "Wow, really? Thanks, coach." Yeah, just so um, Really? Yeah, not, uh, that was, uh, Just yeah. Just dumb. Uh, 509 saying, Bob, where did you learn math? 18 is not an odd number. I wasn't being literal in that it's an odd or even number. I was yeah. saying it's an odd, <laughs> peculiar, an odd number to land on being right. an 18-minute interview as opposed to, a fifteen-minute or twenty-minute makes sense. It's like, why would you land on eighteen, seventeen? Yeah. That's a pecu- well, peculiar place to land. Bob, what What's you the should point? have said was an unusual <laughs> Yeah, it's an yes. unusual. I didn't mean a literal odd number in the way of a three, a five, things right. like that. Yeah. Exactly. So let's calm down there. Uh, but yeah, text in whatever you'd like. I appreciate the the attempt at a correction there, uh, Jerry Depoto. On this morning, talking to uh, Brock and Salk out there in the cold, he was wearing his his uh, ski cap. Everybody was freezing out there, and then his hair apparently popped right back into place as soon as he took it off, according to Mike Salk. Yeah, but they they talked about a guy that we've been talking a bit about, and 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 he's a guy that I think when you watch him play first base you just you see a difference and this is in no way shape or form a shot at Ty France I think Ty France is a very good first baseman and if he's your first baseman from day one moving forward I'm at peace with it I don't look at him as a liability any by any stretch of the imagination defensively but when you see Evan White there it's different it Mm -hmm. just is different and Japoto has said it. Everybody has said it. Our, our buddy Luke yeah, Arkins. Yeah, what did Luke say? He said, I'll have to find the tweet. But he basically said, I responded to a tweet he had about Evan White. And I said, if he can hit at a respectable level and just stay healthy, he is special on defense. He is special. And he said, he's the best first baseman I've seen since Keith Hernandez. Wow. Talking about defense. so. But that's not unique to Seattle, Pete. You hear that. I mean, he just is different there. So if he could hit and stay healthy, that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. So, uh, Jerry, talking about Evan White and just talking about the fact that, you know, this is a guy that they've invested in, obviously, what was it, a $24 million deal Mm -hmm. um, that he signed and and talking about the chance that he could have a big impact on this team.
2: You know, I think it's just finding that one bat that clicks for us. You know, who that bat is, I'm not entirely sure yet in our system. Uh, As we cycle through the, the DH position, you want one guy to be able to step up and take a bulk of those. That could be Evan White. You know, and it's a guy we're not really counting on coming into spring training, who I think has looked outstanding in the early going. Again, trying to temper the enthusiasm, Mm -hmm. but he changes our team defensively if if he hits. And and he doesn't have to hit fourth or fifth.
1: He can hit seventh or eighth. And, And if he hits, it just changes the way our team is perceived. It lengthens the lineup. It's, I mean, it's nothing but good to state the obvious because if you can, and he's talking about him as a DH there, I would... I would think if he's healthy, and then maybe they'll baby step it and not, you know, run him out there back to back games or things like that. Who I don't know the extent of where he's at physically, but I would think it'd be you'd be more advantageous to the team assuming health and that he is hitting at a respectable level that he plays first base and Ty France is your your yeah. your dominant DH. Yeah, he's going to spell him at first base. He'll he'll play the the days that Evan doesn't. But your primary option one would be Evan White at first base if. He's healthy in, in hitting.
2: Yeah. You know, he's he's 26, Evan White is, that is. Um, I guess I, I thought he had been around a little bit longer than that. But, yeah, it's it, it's pretty amazing when, you know, and by the way, Keith Hernandez, I want to say his last year was like 1990, 89. So for Luke uh, Luke Arkins to make that, that's a, that's a pretty healthy uh, compliment right there. I mean, that's since... You know, 1989. That's that's amazing. So yeah, and if they can just get him to hit there, it's starting to sound like it's it's better and and better. But uh, but yeah, we'll see. I just uh, it's interesting to hear that that a first baseman and defensively
1: can change your team that much. It, it, think about that though. It's it's such a huge spot on the field because all of those infielders they they. The way they play and the chances they'll take oftentimes is based on what level of confidence they've got at that guy yeah. with that guy at first base. And I always talk about this, but I go back to when Smoke was here, Justin Smoke, and everybody would you know, complain he didn't hit the way they thought he should and all that. But he, he was a very good defensive first baseman. The eye test told you. I don't know what his defensive metrics were. He was very good. And I remember talking to Brendan Ryan and a very young Kyle Seeger and Dustin Ackley and some pitchers in that clubhouse just talking about him and them going. You know how many errors that guy has saved us. Mm. You know, and you're getting your team out of innings. You're you're able to pick the ball. You're able to allow J.P. Crawford to maybe make a throw off balance that he's going to one. He's going to short hop you, and you know this guy is going to come up with that ball and make that play. So it's just – it's there's so much value to having a guy like him there at first base and the level of confidence that those infielders have with him there.
2: Yeah. it's And you think about it like, you know, typically it's – you know, I mean you, you range as far as the target you're throwing to, anywhere from like probably the size of a of a dartboard to a size of a door. Yeah. And he's the door, man. I mean, it's just yeah. incredible what how smooth he is. And I always marvel and we asked him about that when we interviewed him a couple of years ago, about, you know, when it it's a one hopper. Yeah. That whether it's coming off the dirt or the grass and the the grass, you know, it'll slide a little bit more, and you know, just all the things that go into that, and he just makes it look easy. Yeah, he's just
1: he's very natural. He's very sure-handed. He's he's you just it's 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 almost like I would compare it to Tyler Lockett in that yeah. you're surprised when he doesn't make a catch, right? If if it's in the vicinity, like wow, how did he not come up with that? That he never does that. That that's the same feeling you have with Evan White when you watch him, like. If he doesn't come up with a short hop or he doesn't he doesn't pick it the way he normally does you're whoa really that's mm-hmm. I mean it's so odd, so he's you know to hear that that praise from from locals but hear people outside of Seattle talking about him that way just tells you man if he could just find the cure to what's been ailing him physically, just be available and then hit at a respect that he doesn't need to be a masher he he's got the potential he does have pop, but if he he just he looks so overmatched when he was up at the plate. When he's been up with a big club, he just he just looked like he was chasing. He's swinging all the, you know the strike zone was huge. That's what I remember. He he looked like he's, yeah, I mean he's swinging at pitches up around his shoulders and mm-hmm. he was behind it. He just he just looked like he was lost. I'm curious what the what the formula
2: is. Uh, you know you mentioned he doesn't have to crush it, but like what's his on base percentage? What's his average got to look like? What if he's hitting for power? You know what he's first round draft choice by the Mariners. I keep forgetting that. Yeah, and they, in uh, 2017.
1: And obviously they had a ton of belief in him because they, they paid him, you know, they signed him to that deal, mm-hmm. which oh, was, uh, you know, some people go, man, he doesn't believe in himself, he's not betting on himself, and the Mariners, boy, what are you doing? You don't know if this guy's going to be anything. It's like, who's going to be right in this situation? And right now it looks like Evan was. Yeah. Because if he physically can't get out there and play, he's got enough money to last a lifetime. If he's, he's $24 million, right? you know, he's going to be just fine. So It's not that much money anymore, Bob. Not in baseball dollars. <laughs> it's not. But.
2: No, but, yeah, I mean, you look at his, his average. I mean, you know, in 2020, the pandemic year, he wins a gold glove. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, it was a 176 batting average. Oof.
1: What was the on-base?
2: Uh, it was two fifty two
1: yeah that 's not good,
2: not good, and then you know eight home runs and what fifty four games I guess that 's okay but yeah that's there 's nothing there that 'll blow your skirt up but the the defensive part of it is just just incredible he's he 's much
1: better as a defender than an offender. <laughs> Okay. So good. Just to add that to the collection of things we love about Dan yeah. Campbell. Uh, one more from Jerry on this, just talking about uh, his start, talking about Evan White's start to spring training. Evan played a fair bit of outfield in college at the University of Kentucky. He actually played the outfield for Team USA
2: um, prior to to his draft year, so it's it's not foreign to him. He's such a good athlete, and right now he's actually been one of the most eye raising players in camp to this point is you know evan looks 100 percent healthy he checks out in the in the training room as 100 percent healthy we know the the dynamic of of what his defense does on our infield and you know what we're seeing right now in his athletic explosiveness and the batter's box you know, there's still so much left to be told in, in evan's
1: story see that's the that's the one part that that I'm not completely on board with is I don't doubt he's a tremendous athlete. I've never seen him in the outfield. I don't know what he looks like, but I'll take Jerry's word for it. He's an athlete probably looks great, but considering his injuries and he had that, the hip injury was pretty serious and just having lower, lower body injuries. That feels like not the best place to have him out there running and diving and running into walls Mm -hmm. and planting and cutting. And just for somebody who's been fragile or just had a problem staying healthy, I don't know that I'd want him running around in the outfield. Now, if that's the only way you get his bat into the lineup if because he's hitting really well and that's our only spot for him, okay, I get it, but that wouldn't be my preference. I'd rather leave him at first.
2: Yeah, cuz wouldn't you if you've got a guy that's that's hurting wouldn't first base be the the easiest place? I mean, catcher yeah. obviously you're not running around a lot, but I mean, it, you just get beat up being yeah. on the plate. But yeah, first base, you feel like that would be that would be the spot for him. So yeah, it's a, he's one of those big question marks. Got a couple of them, uh, him and Jared Kelnick. and Kelnick's still being the the huge part of it. But yeah, Evan White, I'm just I'm just happy that he's able to even be part of the conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, hopefully, it continues to go. It's a great problem to have. Hey, so I saw this I saw this story last night, and it got me thinking. You know about collectibles and jerseys and all that. Joe Montana's game worn jersey from two Super Bowl wins, uh, including the one with the drive sold for 1.2 million dollars, the most ever for a football jersey.
2: Wait, he wore this that's the same jersey that was in both. Yeah. yeah. That's that shows you how uh, the NFL was back then. You know, n- now they have new jerseys every I mean they probably every player probably has 25
1: jerseys going in. Well, in the story I think he said something about his wife it was packed away, and when they're going to the next Super Bowl, she's like, "Hey, I think you may want to wear this one, uh, like kind of for luck type gotcha. thing." So, yeah, yeah, sold for one point two million dollars. And I started thinking about what piece of sports memorabilia would I want? If I not not for value, not for hey, I'm going to turn this around and sell it for one point five million. You have to keep it. So the hypothetical, you could have one piece of of, of sports memorabilia, but you can't sell it. It's just you, it means something to you. What would it be? You guys can text in on that 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jacks Brewing Company. You know, for for thumb, it's probably a pickleball paddle of, of one of the all-time greats from back in the day, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or a Tennessee so Titan, be like
2: Chris Egan. <laughs> Chris Egan yeah. signed paddle back in the day. Chris Egan, that's right. I saw a commercial the other day with Egan on it, and he was playing some pickleball. Guy, have you seen that? Maybe. What do you mean, maybe? You've either what seen it? it or not. I don't it's think it's a commercial. commercial. It is. Yeah, Chris Egan. I haven't seen it. Mike, I I watched the commercial. I (laughs) promise you. Was it a promo for something? No, it was uh, like a promo for him, you know, that he's a sports guy. So he was out there, you know, playing pickleball
1: with some guy who was a hot shot. I think he doesn't think you know what you saw. I think maybe I I was uh, dreaming that.
0: I think it's something they filmed in the summer to promote the Seattle Metro Open. And then they're just kind of re-airing it. Oh, there's a, there's a Seattle Metro Open yeah. for pickleball? Yeah, I played in a couple years ago.
2: Oh, man. Well, that's, this is the, the state sport here.
0: It is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but well, no, no pickleball paddles are quite that valuable. Just no. yet. Not yet. Maybe one. So day. what not would your yet.
1: one thing be? You can't resell Ooh. it. It's not for profit. It's, it's just the one piece of sports memorabilia, memorabilia that you look at and go, man, I would love to just have this. Yeah.
0: Bob, that's a decent question.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think
0: it'd probably be something sorry to interrupt there, Dave. I think okay. it'd probably be something from Steve McNair, just because he is now a deceased um, and you know, would it would be like his jersey from the Super Bowl, Bowl yeah. with the Rams. Yeah.
2: Probably. Well if you could get um the jersey of a guy who went to Syracuse, transferred to <laughs> Purdue, <laughs> then played for The Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay Lightning, and then the Tennessee Titans thumb would be all over that.
1: So that would be a gold mine.
2: I you know, mine when you first asked me that question mine would be something to do with jack lambert like mm-hmm. jack lambert was my hero i still have a framed picture of him, remember those Sports Illustrated posters? I don't know if you're my age, but they used to in in grade school. They would pass out—I don't know—was once a month um, these little order forms, and you could get books and posters and things like that. And then you bring your check in from your mom, and then you know, a week or two weeks later, all the stuff comes. And I ordered one of the the Jack Lambert Sports Illustrated posters, yeah. and I kept that, and it was up in my wall all through college. And then, um, oh, at one point in uh, when I was in high school, I drew a little speech bubble coming out of his mouth, and it <laughs> yeah. says "Don't bleep with me." Yeah. So my mom went and got it framed under glass, and I still have it somewhere.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I will. I won't sell that. Yeah, these and people are texting in things that have a tremendous amount of value. You got to keep it in this. In this hypothetical, you can't sell it. So it's just because it means something to you. Your it's your hero, an event you were at, perhaps. For me, I told you I'd go with with uh, Muhammad Ali's gloves when he beat Sonny Liston the first time. Mm. That that would be huge for me. Yeah, he's one of my all time sports heroes, and and that event was massive. Uh, you know, it was a it was a huge upset. Sonny Liston was thought to be like he was the Tyson of those days. Mm. Just you get in the ring, he's going to hurt you. You're right. going to get hurt. So yeah, I would I would take those gloves. Those his gloves from that fight would be huge.
2: Yeah, I I think we had this conversation earlier. My wife bought a signed Muhammad Ali glove that's under glass, and it has a picture of him where his his arms kind of across his body. He yeah, just that's the rematch. Was that the rematch with yeah. Liston? And he's kind of he's yelling at him.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know?
2: So I, I forget. Was there a lot of smack? Talk? I mean, Muhammad Ali always talked.
1: Well, he because he wouldn't. He was telling him to get up because it was. They called it the anchor punch. Did he landed on him, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, people saying he took a dive, and, you know, Ollie's yelling at him to get up, and, yeah. So that no. that's the rematch in that one. Yeah, but,
2: but, I mean, she got it at Costco or something like that, and I don't know. You know, it just goes a s- great place. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's signed. My wife loves it. Uh, signed glove, and then it's that picture. But I was telling you, I have somewhere a picture. I went to this event when I was in college, and uh, it was like a boxing event, and he sh- he was there, and I got introduced to Muhammad Ali, and when they introduced the quarterback that went our, our quarterback John Pay, he just you know shook his hand, then he goes, "This is our linebacker here, and so then he starts like squaring up with me and puts his fists up like he 's going to fight me and you know so I have a picture somewhere of, you got to find that one of that, or I, I think that you know it 's just me and him standing it's somewhere in all my crap, yeah I, I was thinking the other thing. That I have is a letter from Dr. Seuss. <laughs> is it real? It is, yeah. He okay. typed it out, and then he signed it. And he he responded to it was something that my dad was in the logging business mm-hmm. and it had to do with the lorax and how you know chopping chopping down all the trees and now there's no trees and i was like yeah but we need wood for building houses and and he sent back just like you would expect uh you're absolutely right david uh you know we do need those things and cool. i appreciate you writing me and all this stuff so and i'm sure i was you know, somewhat prompted, uh, but I, you know, felt like I I wanted to, you know, write that letter. And uh, yeah, so he he responded. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. That's probably
1: like the most, it's, it's pretty bizarre, but. But that's a very personal one-on-one thing. My old co-host in St. Louis, the late Brian Burwell, he used to write for USA Today Uh and he wrote some article, I can't remember what it was about, but Frank Sinatra Typed out a letter to him talking about, this is brilliantly put. I, I really respect what you did here or said here. Signed it. I'm like, that is. And he had that frame. That was pretty cool. Wow. But a uh, lot, of, lot of text coming in. Uh, 360. Anything signed by all members of the 95 Mariners team. Mm. Uh, Marshawn's cleats from the original Beastquake run. How about that? Against the Saints. Ah. Uh, that's Jay on the freeway, by the way. Checking in. Uh, Babe Ruth. How do you uh, know he's on the freeway? Because that's what they wrote. Oh, no, not this again. Babe Ruth's 60th home run ball. Uh, Yeah, they said his 60th home run ball. Uh, Edgar's bat from the 95 double. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Would love to have Vlad Guerrero Sr.'s batting glove. LOL. All right. Because he didn't wear gloves. Uh, Matt and Mercer Island, by the way, uh, says, yeah, Dave, great choice. Jack Lambert was the king of
2: bad assery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Uh, let's see. Griffey's 95 game winning uh, hit his bat driving in. Uh, he didn't drive in, Edgar. You have that the other way around. Uh, Edgar drove him in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Helmet Steve Largent wore when he destroyed Mike Harden. How mm-hmm. about that? That's pretty cool. That's a good one. Uh somebody else Marshawn's Beast Quake jersey uh Roger Federer's last major win racket is Yeah that, Is that I, you? I want that. You want that? That would be
0: my answer. You're well. a big I'm tennis changing guy. my answer. Yeah. Would
1: you would tennis be your sport or would it be a football? Yeah. What sport so, would it be for? No, real
0: quick, I my bucket list was to watch Roger Federer play at Wimbledon and then the uh pandemic postponed that. Now he's retired, so that's a life regret I'll have, oh. but yeah, be Roger Federer.
1: So good choice on the racket there. Lots of texts coming in. We'll we'll read more of these uh, after the break, but a lot of texts coming. <laughs> Sorry, you've got to read this one. Jared Goff's diploma. It's probably a
2: forgery, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Still picking on him. Oh, Look at that. Poor Jared Goff. All right, we'll read more. If you could have one item, you guys can continue to text in 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Not for resale. you got to keep it. But just type the hypothetical, any, any sports item, jersey, glove, ball, bat, whatever it is, what would you want? Uh, and we'll also talk about what uh, Julio can do on the field, but uh, he's got some other challenges he's got off the field this year. We'll get into that as well with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Lots of texts coming in, Dave. A lot of people talking about what's that one piece of sports memorabilia that you would want. You can't sell it. The the object is not to to, uh, gain from it financially. This is just something that would mean something to you. And this is on the heels of the story we were telling earlier about Joe Montana's Super Bowl jersey that he Mm -hmm. wore in two Super Bowls sold for $1.2 million.
2: Yeah. That's, you know... Well, I mean, in baseball, what's what's the one sport that you think gets the most as far as the autographs and everything? Is it baseball?
1: Because I'd say just yeah, baseball cards. Baseball cards, ton of value to the old cards, and you know, if you get anything Babe Ruth or anything Joe DiMaggio or Mickey Mantle, I mean, those there's so much value to those things. But this again, not not for profit, just something you'd want in your collection that means something to you. Uh, somebody said, and I lost it, but they said. Dave Wyman's leather helmet from that game that no one remembers. <laughs> so it's not Friday, damn it. Friday's mean text. How about... Uh, that's, that was good. A football from the tip signed by Richard Sherman. Ooh, that's pretty cool. That's not bad. Yeah. This is a... Dennis says he's a former football player, teacher, and principal.
2: And he was born March 2nd. And it's also Dr. Seuss's birthday, Dave. Oh. I didn't know right. that today. Is that right? Your dad was born today? Dr. Seuss? No, your dad. That was
0: another texter. They said, uh, I think Dave has a note from his dad signed as Dr. Seuss. Oh, <laughs>
2: gotcha. Yeah. No, it was legit, man. I'm telling you.
1: Uh, 206 uh, says, I'd love to have Ken Griffey Jr.'s bat from his first home run derby. Fell in love with him as a player and and baseball as a kid watching that. That's cool. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good ones in here. I'd love a signed photo of Jackie Robinson with Branch Rickey signing his first contract. That would be huge hmm That's a good one. Oh, oh, how about this one? This is a good one. The golf ball from Tiger's Nike uh, chip in at Augusta. Remember the one that just hung there on the lip, and you just saw the Nike logo sitting there forever? Oh, yeah. And was, then it falls into the cup. That's that was a good moment for Nike. 509. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah, that was huge. And then a couple people have said Vander Holyfield's ear. Oh, <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> what would that be, in a jar of some kind of weird liquid that – yeah. Preserved it, Formal, I guess.
2: Formaldehyde or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody was saying something about not only Jack Lambert. Uh, he's from Pittsburgh, it sounds like. But he said that Lambert would smoke in the restaurant that he went to. Mm. And then, yeah, he, uh, that was my my guy. Uh, I'd say his helmet, maybe his jersey, one of those two things. But they also mentioned Jack Ham. Do you remember Jack Ham? He, he played for the Steelers. Linebacker too, didn't he? next to Lambert. Yeah, and I guess he was like the Pennsylvania handball champion you know you ever played No, you know my, that was a thing yeah my dad used to play handball and with a little like a pink ball it's called a pinky or something like that so uh yeah i met him uh like my first year doing radio in 2004 jack ham he was in town with pittsburgh doing radio and i got a chance to meet him and i was like starstruck but uh yeah, that was that was another uh, text that we got. This is good good stuff, man. I think y- you got lots of people with lots of different ideas, of uh, you know, and some some good ideas too. Yeah.
1: How about this four eight zero? I assume that's Boston because this person says lifetime Red Sox fan here. Dave Roberts, dirty jersey from the steel in Game Four of the two thousand four ALCS. Hmm. That, that's huge. I mean, that's that's the turning point in that series. Yeah. So know they come back on the Yankees. And they win their, their World Series, and they stop complaining about always coming up short. Uh, Willie Mays jersey from the catch, says the 253. That's another great one. Yeah, there's some great ones in here. Man, a lot of people chiming in. All right. Alex Rodriguez game-use syringe. Okay. Come on. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I like
2: that. Uh, uh, I'd love a signed poster of Wyman and Bob from their first episode without... Uh, I'll, I'll leave that part out. Uh, <laughs> I'd love a signed poster of Wyman and Bob is what they're saying. Well, if we had a poster we had of a us, we'd
1: we'd be happy to sign it and give it to you. That's right. We have a, we're we all out. They've sold out. Uh, Edgar's game-worn jersey from the double. That's from Doug and Issaquah. And by the way, we found out it's not so easy to add names in here the way we thought on the old system. <laughs> that's why I was asking questions. So I, I, now I realized I don't quite know the answer to that one, Dave, because on the we, we have a different text system and this one I don't I don't have dialed in the way I thought.
2: Oh, I'm impressed that you actually knew how to do it in the first place.
1: Yeah, I did it. I used to do it all the time when people would sign their name and they were, you know, frequent texters, but yeah, this one we're trying to figure out. Uh, how about this? This is a good one. You'll remember this. Mean Joe Green's jersey that he threw to that kid oh, in the Coca-Cola commercial. That's right. Didn't that's... they say something like he drank a ridiculous number of bottles of Coke? Like they had to keep doing takes. Oh, and he, no. Yeah I I think there was some like he had 20 bottles or some some crazy amount of of Coca-Cola he had to drink to, right. to get the the right take or whatever. Well, and I said we've got
2: almost every sport. Uh, all right, here we're rounding it out with WrestleMania the boots <laughs> from Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan's boots from WrestleMania 3. Huh. Okay. And then uh somebody said something about a uh Wooster High School state champion
1: jersey that I wore. No chance. No chance. Dave's not parting with that no at way. any auction. Any tennis racket Serena Williams slammed a ball with, says the three one zero. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, yeah, good stuff from you guys. Really good stuff. Boy, they're just rolling in. Uh, and then somebody chiming in. No one cares about the Red Sox. <laughs> 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 All right, it meant something to that person. That's it's okay. Uh, and <laughs> the base that Lou Pinella threw. <laughs> How about the one that Lloyd McClendon tucked under his arm and walked off the field with? Oh That's what he's God. most famous for. Yeah, but yeah, the base that Pinella threw, or how about the hat that he was trying to kick? You remember that, and he kept missing. Uh huh. His hat oh, was yeah, on the ground. Yeah. He kept yep. trying to kick his hat, and he's missing. They kept cutting to the bench, and everybody on the Mariners' bench was cracking up, watching mm. him lose his mind out there. Uh-huh. That's spectacular. And then when he was asked to
2: explain it, eh, it's just one of those things that happened.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was his quote. Is, that, what, what is think that,
2: it, that was when he threw all the bats out there. Was that the same temper tantrum? Uh, he he's had bats. so many.
1: I just remember him whiffing on the hat, trying yeah. to kick it, and missing a couple times. He's certainly kicked dirt all over home plate. And, and I've used that quote so many times.
2: Since I heard that from Lou Pinal. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. So, you know, whenever like,
1: my wife is like,
2: well, you know, why'd you do that? Why'd you cut it so short? Sure? It's just one of those things that happened.
1: <laughs> you should do it in the <laughs> Lou voice for her next time. Listen. That's one of those things that happens. All <laughs> I right. can't imitate as good as you, Bob. <laughs> Coming up, uh, it might be unlikely, but don't close the door on this option for the Seahawks at quarterback. We'll tell you what we're talking about next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob.
0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On
1: Seattle Sports and the Seattle, Seattle Sports. Sports app. We got a big, uh, big show coming up tomorrow. Fridays are always fun with mean texts and all of that. But we've been doing our Seahawks alumni series, uh, counting on Dave Wyman to go through his Rolodex and reach out to all of his old buddies, his old teammates. We've had some great guys on: Kurt Warner and Kelly Stoffer and Joe Nash and Jacob Green, and it's been fun. And now we, I think we we've got it set for tomorrow. The Boz, Brian Bosworth, will join us at 4 p.m. tomorrow. How about that? Awesome. I know the first question you're going to ask him. I'm going to say, how tough was it to play a dual role where you discovered you had a, a twin brother you didn't know you had, and then you come to learn on top of that he's English. He's from Britain. <laughs> I saw and you'll get the
0: same Thai France answer. Uh, yeah, I'll
1: get crickets. I'll get nothing. You, we got to tell him about that, though. That's that's so classic. <laughs> just, I, but that's cool. So the boss will join us tomorrow at four o'clock. Hey, as long
2: as we're making fun of me, that's that's fine. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting uh, whole thing. You were particularly tickled I, by that because it was just such a crazy
1: plot line. <laughs> just, so
2: just okay, but it, it was a guy that looked like him, and he was playing his double.
1: We got ourselves
2: an imposter. Yeah, and it was, yeah, I guess he was Russian or something. Anyway, yeah, so, Boz is great. I mean, I will probably not talk that much about football. We had the best time. When he was, uh, when him and I were roommates, and then, you know, we bought houses right next to each other. Yeah, he was,
1: wasn't even like, right behind you? Were your
2: backyards? Our backyards were, yeah, and so there was a fence. It was a newly new construction, and so we had a gate put in. Oh, nice. So, yeah, we could go back and forth. And, yeah, we, we hung out all the time. And he was just a totally, you know, what everybody saw, the boss and everything. He was, you know, he's an amazing businessman. I mean, he was the first kind of NFL player ever that, you know, put himself out there, like, to advertise, you know, hey, look at me, everybody. I mean, it wasn't and you know, he he was brilliant as far as
1: the business part of it. Well, the... the The classic story are the shirts. I mean, this is a guy who knew how to capitalize on being the heel. I'm going to profit off your hate. (laughs) Yeah,
2: so the story is, and I probably told it before, but uh, hang with me. Uh, We were in Denver, and they had these Boss Buster shirts. And it had a picture, a cartoon picture of Brian's head or something with a big cross through it. All the offensive linemen went out and got, bought these shirts and came walking all proud into the locker room before the game. And he's sitting next to me, and he's like, "These idiots! They're just—they just bought me a, a seat covers for my Corvette." I'm like, "What are you—What are you talking about?" He's like, "Those are my shirts. I sold them. <laughs> he sold
1: shirts." Anti-Boz shirts. I mean, that's yeah. brilliant. Oh, I remember seeing it. It was like, I think it was Denver, as a matter of fact. Like, a bunch of their fans out there had him. Yeah, that's where hit, it was. Yeah. It was it, in Denver. Yeah. Didn't he hit Elway late or they got something like it tackled him out of bounds and everybody got upset with him?
2: Yeah, he hit him inbounds and then it continued out. And then there's a picture somewhere of, and Brian started... Chirping at him, getting after him, and uh, there's a picture of Elway walking away, giving him the finger.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, somewhere. So, uh, yeah, he was. So, yeah, he became enemy number one out there, and then he right. capitalized on that. Yeah, mean, that's, he, that's brilliant. He used to make fun of his teeth. He called him Horse Face or something like that. <laughs> and then he had
2: a picture of Elway that he put on his stool, you know, on his stool in front of his locker. So he sit on so it. So <laughs> he sat on it all the time. Yeah. Uh, I'm
0: reading that story now. They wrote an article about this. I guess it came out in a book. Some guy named Jonathan Rand wrote, The wildest stories and craziest characters the NFL has ever seen. And Boz is telling that story about selling the shirts. And the end, his quote says, We just wanted to prove how oxygen-deprived Denver fans are.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He was really funny. And uh, people would give him you know if anybody ever tried to you know talk to him or be a smart ass or whatever he always had a good comeback he was really and really a good guy man i mean that was the kind of guy that he'd give you a ride to the uh to the airport you yeah. know i mean he was just we were good good friends and you know pretty much have remained i've been sort of out of touch with him we saw him in 2019 he wrote uh Raise the flag mhm and that was something uh, that yeah pearson set up you know i thought was cool because uh yeah, he's a big part of the history here in, in Seattle, and an interesting story. And and I gotta say, like a really good player's rookie year. He had actually Tariq Woolen this year got rookie of the week in a game. I think maybe it was Detroit game, but anyway, they there was a stat that was you know the last time this happened, the last time a rookie got a. Uh, player of the week was Brian Bosworth. Yeah. He was against Chicago. He picked up a fumble. He had a sack. I mean, he had he piled up a lot of tackles. He did. He? he was all over the place He was so fast. So, yeah, he was he he really had a good rookie year and then all of a sudden all of the, you know, the injuries started Yeah. Here.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to talking to him. He's a, another guy I've never had a chance to speak with. Uh yeah. so, obviously you heard a ton about him through you and he sounds like he's he's a great guy and and you know, good on him. He's he's turned his his career, his acting career, into something that's sustained and is growing, and and is is pretty cool. So yeah, looking forward to that conversation. So if you just tuned in, Brian Bosworth will join us tomorrow at four o'clock for our Seahawks alumni series we've been putting together here. Quickly, uh, one of one of the things we threw out, we've been throwing out all the mock drafts, and here's what Kuyper's got, and here's what Bucky Brooks has, and this guy CBS has this, and different scenarios. And and one of the crazy things we saw was that uh based on Pete Carroll comments that they're that they're in tune with all the quarterbacks. They're they're up to speed on all these quarterbacks, all of a sudden that to this person who wrote the article, and I can't remember which side it came from, meant that the Seahawks are now a contender to trade up to number one mm-hmm. for with the Bears to get into that number one spot, which we were both looking at going, What? Like,
2: well, because of what the things Pete said.
1: Yeah, they were so innocuous, like basically saying, "Hey, yeah, we've done our due diligence; we're up to speed. We we know everything about these guys." Yeah, and we're you know we're yeah Yeah. we're
2: we're in the quarterback you know business and yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so
1: so we're looking at that going all right. Well, if you are going to entertain that crazy theory, what about the idea that the Ravens they they haven't come to terms with Lamar Jackson? The sticking point is he wants a fully guaranteed deal like Deshaun Watson. So far to this point, they're not going there. So. There are some thinking he could be traded, some saying they're going to slap the franchise tag on him, but I saw a story where they were talking about if he's traded, here are some destinations. They didn't list the Seahawks. But what if? Let's play what if today. <laughs> what if he is made available, that the Ravens let it leak out or let it be known, hey, we're listening. We're listening to offers. Would you want Lamar Jackson here? Would you Would you go fully guaranteed deal now? You're not going to get him for 32 5 a year. Oh. No. And you're you're not going to get them probably for forty a year. You're probably looking forty five, fifty a year, something like that, and it's fully guaranteed. I, I just cannot imagine that at all. I, I just I
2: feel like that's not where they want to go. That's not where they want they I don't think that they're looking to spend uh, that ridiculous amount of money. I mean, already you know John talked today about the, the salary, or I'm sorry, the franchise tag. Yeah, and it's thirty and like you have to have a lot of flexibility in order to do that, and that's one of the things reasons why they do it. Well, if that's how he thinks about thirty then what are you going to think about whatever Lamar Jackson?
1: Well, is? and the one thing I would say to that to counter it a bit is if they sign him to I don't know what it'll be a five year deal, six years, I don't know, whatever length it is. You know how these guys do it. Matt can get up there and push numbers around and move this here and move this here. And this is now going to be called a bonus and we're going to push this over there. So now all of a sudden the cap number is reasonable and manageable. I don't know what they do, but they always seem to find a way to do it. So maybe there's that possibility.
2: Yeah, it could be. Can you imagine having that job? Like, hey, here's your assignment.
1: Find room for Lamar Jackson you know and yeah. and we need to sign all these defensive players too. So right, right. go ahead and tell us how we do that. Yeah. <laughs> so and look I'm sure that they
2: they probably do that for a lot of different scenarios and I'm sure it's easier than having to start all over and go back to all the numbers maybe you can plug things in I don't know if there's a, a program or what but I mean that would be uh, that would be a tough job, but yeah, I just don't I, I don't see him connecting with uh, with the Seahawks, and I just don't think that's the the way that they want to go.
1: Yeah, I would. I mean, it's it's absolutely far fetched, but yeah. as long as we were throwing out the idea that they're going to trade up to the number one spot to get a, one of these young unproven quarterbacks, all right. Well, what about the idea of them going after a guy that may be available if they can't get things worked out in Baltimore? Right. So, so we'll see if he. Uh, I think he's going to stay in Baltimore personally, but. It doesn't stop people from speculating as to where he may land if it's not there. Uh, meanwhile, it's the, it's Thursday, which means we have the John Schneider Show. We've been doing that every Thursday. And uh, you get a chance to hear that conversation. He's at the Combine taking a look at the talent, trying to top last year's draft class. So we'll talk to him about that and everything else going on next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.